Hello, Peter. What's happening? Yeah, we have a little bit of a problem here. Apparently, you haven't been putting the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. There was a memo that went out about this. Did you get a copy of that memo? That's Bill Lumberg from the movie Office Space, for those who didn't catch the reference. It's a movie about the enervating life of people working at a software company called Initech that updates software code for banks, which sounds boring enough, but the employees spend most of their day complying with bureaucratic minutiae and mindless make work rather than accomplishing anything productive. It says in the gospel about Jesus, the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Now, who were the scribes? Well, they were kind of like a combination of a priest and a lawyer. As horrifying a thought as that might be. <laughs> Almost as bad as a seven-foot-tall Dominican. I know you'll be having nightmares tonight. The scribes had power over the Jewish people in that time by virtue of their office. People needed to go to them to resolve questions about Jewish law and practice, or to obtain religious documents and notations. But as the gospel notes, they didn't have authority. What's the difference between power and authority? In Roman law, which also formed the basis of medieval Catholic jurisprudence, a distinction was drawn between potestas and auctoritas. Potestas was raw power. It was simply the ability to enforce one's will by virtue of having some office or superiority over another. Whereas auctoritas was authority. You had authority over someone when they were willing to submit to your leadership because they recognized your wisdom and knowledge. The scribes were masters of the law, but only in a technical, narrow sense. They didn't understand that the purpose of the law, even under the Old Covenant, was to foster love. As Jesus would later say, all the law and the prophets are summed up in one commandment, to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Because their understanding of law was divorced from love of God and neighbor, the teachings and rulings of the scribes became increasingly legalistic, Byzantine, and inequitable. They heaped ritualistic burdens on the people by multiplying technical practices and ancillary concerns in place of genuine love, forgetting or not seeing that the law was meant to free people from sin, not to enmesh them in it. The scribes were, in that sense, very much like Bill Lumberg and the other managers at Initech. We've probably all worked with people like that. People who are endless box checkers and form fillers and protocol pushers. They get on your case about following all of the petty procedures in the office. It's what sociologists call mandated workplace literacy, the pointless tasks that are fostered on employees for the sake of bureaucratic control and self-protection. But you know, and everyone else knows, that the people most invested in these arcane practices have no idea how to actually accomplish anything useful. Like a football coach who could tell you all the rules of the game, but couldn't instruct you in how to advance the ball down the field. 
Jesus, by contrast, had authority because the people could see that he was speaking from a place of genuine understanding. That doesn't mean that Jesus was against the law altogether, an error made by some of our Protestant and evangelical friends. We need rules and procedures. We even need lawyers sometimes. But when Jesus taught, people recognized that his interpretations of the law were rooted in love. It was the lens through which everything he taught could be seen and rationalized. The people could see that his teaching about any particular question or issue was part of a self-consistent framework rooted in an overarching love of God and love of his people. As Christians, we need two things so that we can reflect our faith with authority, not merely with power, which, by the way, the church doesn't have a lot of in this day and age anyway. The first of these is love, or what Christians more traditionally called charity. Blessed Pope Paul VI said this, modern man listens more willingly to witnesses than to teachers, and if he does, if he does listen to teachers, it is because they are first witnesses. A witness is someone who genuinely lives what he claims to believe. He isn't a hypocrite or a fraud or a fake. A good example of such a person might be someone like Marine General James Mattis, now the Secretary of Defense. Talk to someone who was a Marine under General Mattis, and that invariably they will tell you that they would follow him to the very gates of hell, because he was the real deal. The men that served under him had complete confidence that he had their best interests and the best interests of the country at heart. They knew he would never order them to do something that he wouldn't have been willing to do himself. Everyone believed that he became a Marine General in order to serve rather than to be served. That kind of character is the fruit of a life formed in charity. The second thing that Christians need in order to reflect our faith with authority is a certain measure of competence. By that, I mean competence in knowing and articulating the Christian faith and the teachings of the church. Unlike the scribes, this confidence or this competence must be rooted in charity. It's charity rooted in faith and nurtured by prayer that allows our intellect to penetrate the depths of the faith and to see its sublime completeness and complexity. But that requires still a focused intellectual effort and study. Long gone are the days, if there ever were such days, when you could be a good Catholic without really understanding the faith in depth. The world right now is not very hospitable to Christianity, and it's only going to get worse in the short term. If you aren't feeling an increasing tension between your faith and your life in the world, well, I have something to tell you. You're doing it wrong. You're missing something big time because the challenges to our faith in the public sphere are only becoming more complex and pervasive. In order for us to live our faith, let alone to have any chance of evangelizing others, we must know our Catholic faith cold. Just having a vague desire to be a witness is no longer enough. The reality is that other people now feel very free to come at you with aggressive questions and challenges and attacks. People opposed to the Christian faith or to the church no longer feel the need to be very polite. Discerning how to respond to the challenges of a militantly secularized world in our workplaces, in our schools, or even with our friends and relatives absolutely demands that we master the intricacies of the church's faith and moral teachings. If we have these two things, 
a charitable personal witness, and the knowledge of the truth formed in charity, then like Jesus, the unclean spirits will tremble before us and depart. It's just that we're putting the cover sheets on all the new TPS reports before they go out now. So if you could just go ahead and do that from now on, that'd be great. And I'll make sure you get another copy of that memo, okay? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, and uh, Peter, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday as well. 